I understand that in many parts of the world, uh, you know, having a degree is still extremely important and I expect that will remain uh, for the for the foreseeable future. But again, it's the it's the way how you play with the fringes of these developments that I think will make life extremely interesting for, for people. Cast your mind back to when you were younger. How did you want to change the world? What skills and opportunities do you wish you had to succeed? And now, fast forward to today. Do you believe young people have these skills and opportunities? In Youth We Trust sits down with successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, educators and others from around the world. We spotlight how individuals and organisations are shaping a better world, directly or indirectly, for the coming generations through their focus on sustainability, equity, education and more to empower young people to create the future they deserve. And now, In Youth We Trust. In today's episode of In Youth We Trust, I talk to Dr. Christiana Moak, someone who thrives out of her comfort zone. An education economist by training, she spent over a decade in the Middle East on topics of youth development, higher education and also sustainability, but also as an award-winning film producer and organizer of major music concerts, a key passion of hers. Christiana is a big thinker worth listening to. Hi, Christian. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast in Youth We Trust. It's my pleasure, Prashant. It's great to be here. In seven different countries, you've actually been involved in each of these issues, um, actually at a significant level of depth. So welcome again. And uh, let's dive straight into it. Um, so as you know, uh, Christian, Lumi is about getting young people involved in solving the greatest problems that uh, either businesses or society is facing, but through that building their skills for their own future. Now, we do that through quests, right? So if I take you back to your younger self, what is that quest that you would have loved to be on? Hmm, interesting. I mean, I would say I'm still on a quest. <laughs> well, aren't we all? But, you know, was there an issue in particular that, you know, bothered you or were you very passionate about as youth? Um, I think I have always been looking at things maybe a little bit differently more systemically than uh than than other people around me and so i think from the from the time i was a teenager um i i think i was always thinking in terms of you know optionalities and poten potentialities and i think to this day i'm i'm uh I'm someone who always goes into, you know, multiple different directions at once, trying to, you know, figure out uh, not only what they are about, but also what connects them. Um, and uh, I would say even as, uh, even as a young person, uh, again, today I would call that education, skill building, mindset building, and so on. But, you know, to be honest, uh, I don't think that uh, 30 years ago I had that vocabulary. <laughs> I, I called it uh, very often, um, you know, 
influencing or messing with people's lives, um, but in a productive way. That's right. Give me an example of what you were doing. So um, one thing I, uh, I I did during my teenage years was uh, some youth work um, uh, during vacation, um, you know, but always with the work component. Uh, you know, I was I spent a summer in France preparing a music festival with a very international group of people. And, um, you know, all my friends in Germany said, are you crazy? Like, uh, you know, this is actual work. <laughs> Why are you doing this in the summer? Um, but I really, I, I just, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. It was a group of, uh, of other youth from across Europe, some of them quite a bit older than me. And, you know, just to to use opportunities like that to gain perspective, to then bring that back into my into my life. And then, you know, after, after that summer, a lot of people told me, Oh, you've changed. I'm like, yeah, but uh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's basically real world um, involvement in projects, uh, you know, kind of uh, taking the initiative to do that, but not being shy of uh, diving deep into something where you were accountable. How did you feel like, when you were involved in, in the music festival as a woman or, or a, as, as a young person in general? I mean, so I think what, what this has taught me and what it made me feel at that point in time was that, you know, there are many different ways to, to live a life and to live a, an, an interesting and a successful life. So, you know, I come from a family um, of, of civil servants. Um, my dad is a teacher. My grandpa was a teacher. My other grandpa was a policeman. So, you know, it's a very settled, um, middle of the road uh, German life. But at the same time, you know, there are always these uh, interesting things at the edges that, uh, that are worth exploring. And... Um, you know, uh, for example, my my family uh, wasn't wealthy, so you know I couldn't do what I may have wanted to do, which is spend a year uh, studying abroad in high school, going to US, to UK, or somewhere else. Um, but then, uh, like working in in France and working in youth camps and so on. So, you know, it's a it's a question of finding these challenges, finding these experiences, and then doing something with them. And I found that very productive. Uh, I mean, I, I remember when I was in my final year in high school, um, I uh, started applying uh, to uh, universities, but also to vocational training. And all my teachers told me, oh, you're crazy. You're very good students. Of course, you're going to go to university. But I really wanted to try out and see, you know, how is it to have a an, an employment interview? Um, how is it to, uh, you know, run some tests that are, you know, not high school level, but actual, actually professional level um, for people who would go out and uh, learn a, a, a trade or a profession um, at age 18. And, you know, ultimately, then I went back to where I knew I would probably always end up, which was the university. 
but I've always felt I had made some experiences there that were extremely, extremely helpful. And to be open to that, um, I think is, is, a, is a strength, but it's also something that, you know, depending on your environment, you have a bit of explaining to do. Yeah, I mean, tell me a little bit about this. Um, you've said it twice that either your friends or the people around you um, said you were crazy. So why is it that they found the whole notion of you kind of going out and doing vocational training, taking responsibility in a music festival, crazy? Um, I think, you know, if you're... People, people uh, look at you and they uh, get a, an impression of, you know, what you're about, uh, usually pretty quickly. And um, they might be right, they might be wrong. But to be honest, I mean, until today, um, uh, I would say the, the guiding theme in my life that is that uh, I look at uh, different options of how to do things. Um, and, you know, I think I've become a bit structured, more structured around that in terms of, you know, looking at who are good people to work with, who are good, uh, what are good topics to work on, where do I want to work and so on and so on. You know, even if you then go exact ba back and do exactly what everyone predicted you would do <laughs> from the start, mm. it gives you a bit of, uh, bread of, uh, you know, wingspan of, of depth. Um, and ultimately uh, a lot of resilience to maybe then also deal with, with situations that, uh, where things don't go exactly your way. Look, there are multiple interesting points that you've raised. Uh, let me pick up on two of them. The first is in, without actually realizing what structures would some of your experiences fall into you were picking up one very crucial skill and that was people skills, mm -hmm. right? Understanding who are the people that you can work with, what, how to work with different people because you are in unfamiliar settings, yes. right? That was one point that I picked up, which actually is a huge skill to have. Um, the second was resilience. And I'm, we, this is a word that is used so often these days, possibly because a large part of the next coming generation doesn't really have ways and means to acquire it. Yes. I mean, there's that, there's one half, one part, which is like that. And then there's the other part, which actually is only building resilience because they are living their lives in such difficult circumstances. So do you think like, the, let's look at the education system today. Do you think that, you know, young people have the opportunity to develop that wingspan. Mm -hmm. It's hard or, or is it not? Or maybe I'm biased. It's hard. Um, but I would say compared to when, when I was a young person, there are many more opportunities today. So a, a lot of things okay. that, uh, you know, back then were maybe less usual have become mainstream today uh, from, uh, you know, having getting practical work experience, 
starting your own startup while you're in university or even in high school, um, you know, getting exposure to, um, as you mentioned earlier, different people's skills, right? Uh, school counselors, career coaches, all of these kinds yeah. of things. Um, so there's a lot more offering uh, there today. I think what's important is that unless you come from a background that already values all of these interventions, if you want, um, you find someone who lowers the hurdle for you and maybe takes you by the hand and makes sure that you get to experience this. Now, whether you then like it, whether you make it part of your toolbox, whether you are uh, aiming to get to a point where you can actually teach this to others, that's a different question, right? But I think that's something very important that you create an environment that invites this experimentation and uh, goes away a little bit from the, you know, this is a, it's a straight path. And um, this is also where I think that the way how we communicate uh, our successes, our life stories uh, on social media, it's not helping, right? Because, and it's changing a little bit. It depends on, uh, on, on, on where you're present. I'm, I'm quite frequently on LinkedIn and I do appreciate that there are a lot of people now who are changing, who are telling stories that are not about their successes, but also about their learning experiences, their struggles. That is so true. So I think it, it you know, again, there are, there are layers to what you're on, what you're saying. I think, first of all, there are more opportunities for people. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but at the same time, I think there is a, these young people, as one of our other guests uh, was also pointing to, uh, they can learn a lot from the trajectories that people like you and I and many others have had. You know, doesn't matter, uh, you know, who you are and what you're doing. The journey matters. And I think what it actually allows uh, these young people to do is to understand that by deviating or by taking some risks uh getting some you know slightly different experiences even if it against goes against the common wisdom at that time can yeah. actually be really beneficial um in the future because you have a better worldview you have a better yes. network you have better skills uh, but at the same time you know, let's say you were growing up in the world around you today. Do you think that people would still call you crazy? You know, you know call you crazy, or would it be different today? Um, probably still, <laughs> um, but maybe in a in a different way, right? I think today there are there are different ways of making the world your own. Uh, but it's much more, you know, globally integrated. Um, the standards on a lot of things have become much higher. You know, I mean, I, I, I remember uh, graduating high school, doing my final paper. I think that was the first time I actually wrote something uh, longer than an email on a computer. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting um, how some of these things change, um, let's say, at the... Uh, at the user level, 
but I think at the fundamental level, some of these uh, some of these topics around uh, experiences, around um, uh, resilience, around you know trying out different selves um, are still the same today. And uh, you know, if if anything, uh, opportunities for most people are more accessible. Um, through through the internet, um, uh, through international travel, um, through all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, if, if you just look at the uh, <laughs> the the increase in English proficiency that comes from Netflix, I mean yeah. that is a side effect of a global media company that no one would have uh, would have predicted. Um, but it's, uh, it's useful and it works and it's something that, uh, you know, uh, combines enjoyment with, uh, uh, with learning clearly because English scores are getting better in, in many, many countries for no other predictable reason. So, um, so let's look at this, uh, you know, I, I, I want to stay focused on this one thing around school, high school, uh, university job. You know, what I find, Christian, is this is likely to change, but it's not something that's going to change immediately. But once it does, it probably will be an irreversible change. So how, you know, when I look at the parents, when I look at majority of the young people, everybody's still thinking I'll be in school, then I will go mm -hmm. to university, then I'll get a job. How do you see this changing? And do you think it's the, still the trajectory or there are other options? I think there are already a lot of other options. Um, you know, I, I, in a lot of uh, countries in the Western world, the majority of university students are already non-traditional students. Which, what does that mean? They're not between 18 to 22. They're older. They are already, they already have a career. So they might be studying part-time. They might have family and study part-time. Uh, they might look for hybrid or online options. So all of this already exists. Um, I think, um, and that's just one example, right? So I think what the, the education system in many places pretends is that it's still 1980. Mm. And it's clearly not. Um, and a lot of people are already uh, consuming these new options for, for getting ed education, for getting upskilled. Um, you know, I had a discussion with a friend the other day, um, uh, Peter Thiel, the, the venture capitalist from, from Silicon Valley, um, has this famous challenge where he gives young people $100,000 uh, to not go to university. And everyone said, oh, my God, this is so crazy. He's going to ruin their future. So in, in this case, uh, young people who are very entrepreneurial. Um, if you look at uh, challenger universities around the world, um, a lot of them work quite well, but also because they have a very high rate of uh, applications and then they can pick the top 1%. And then they do something interesting, right? They have a global experience. They have an experience with a lot of uh, work uh, during during that uh, during their studies. Um, then yeah. you know a traditional university where you sit in a big lecture hall. And so I think there is a lot of 
variety already out there. Um, the the old system is still fighting back. You know, if you believe in uh, you know change theory and uh, and uh, Thomas Kuhn and <laughs> the, the 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 structure of of uh, of uh, scientific revolutions and so on. But you know, you see just from the amount of new um, options out there. Um, that there's clearly something changing. And by the way, um, COVID helped a lot. Uh, online education is uh, much more accepted and acceptable um, uh, than before. And uh, not only that, but also, of, of course, the quality has increased. Uh, the technological opportunities have increased. And so, um, you know, I think it's much easier to get a better education today. But it's also much easier to get introduced to all kinds of tools um, to make sense of the world uh, in 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 a way that maybe previously you, you couldn't do. And that was a that was a you know an, an opportunity for the zero point one percent who were really really nerdy coders before, and today you know a high schooler can build a mobile app, which is I think pretty cool without having the uh, the big technological background. Oh, 100%. I mean, we've seen in the last three years alone, uh, the number of young people who have uh, used these low and no code tools to, to develop genuinely high impact prototypes. Um, it, it really is democratizing um, technical innovation at yeah. the ground level. So given that the, there is much more optionality Given that the boundaries between school and a traditional university or whether you do that or you do something else is becoming, starting to become a little blurry. If I think about where I grew up in India and, you know, large part of the population still is thinking, how do I educate my child? But they're mm -hmm. thinking traditionally, they're thinking, you know, my child should go to a school and then, you know, I hope he or she goes to university. I draw parallels between, you know, at some point, everybody was hoping that, oh, I have a telephone in my house, a landline, until the mobile phones came along. Yeah. Right? How can we use this changer to leapfrog skill development equitably? Yeah. I think I'd come back to something I said earlier, which is you need to create opportunities to, to be exposed, to catch the bug, to um, normalize non-traditional ways of uh, learning and developing. Hmm. And that doesn't mean, um, that doesn't mean you go, don't go to university anymore, but that means that you are taking a lot more personal agency to develop your career path. Um, right. So I'm, uh, I have a, I have a friend here in Berlin who, uh, who is a tax advisor. But um, he just opened up uh, his uh, his new company and he's like, Christiane, for the next three months, I'm not taking any new clients. For the next three months, I'm building my tech stack. I was like, wow, that's really cool. So you have a bunch of tools out there that are, you know, not books and legal texts and so on, but things that you actually think are going to help you do a better job, serve your clients better. And I know you're not necessarily a tech person, but you're building this job into something that you'll enjoy doing, 
right? And you can you can make the same argument for people who go into accounting or into finance and so on, which you know in in many cases you can do them in a very traditional way, but you can do also do them in a much more creative way, in a more tech-enabled way. Um, and I think this is something that those are stories that need to be told more, so mm. that uh, then uh, the parents, the community understand that, uh, you know, uh, someone can learn how to, uh, how to program no code, uh, uh, by just watching a few YouTube videos and then starts to make money or benefit their community in another way or create more connectivity, uh, or better educate the next generation. That is also worth something. I understand that in many parts of the world, uh, you know, having a degree is still extremely important. And I expect that will remain uh, for the for the foreseeable future. But again, it's the it's the way how you play with the fringes of these developments that I think will make life extremely interesting for for people. This episode is brought to you by Lumi.network. We're on a mission to help the next generation get ready to take on the world. Our AI augmented platform runs quests that help 10 to 25 year olds shape their future by developing AI, entrepreneurship and design thinking skills to solve the most pressing business and social issues. If you or your organization wants to positively impact the next generation, we'd love to talk to you. To learn more, visit lumi.network. So let's move into the pres- present. You know, you have you are someone who has done work on youth empowerment. You worked on skill development. You worked in tech. You you worked on sustainability issues. You you worked on uh, women's empowerment as well. Um, talk to me about the various things uh, that you are doing that would be interesting to our listeners. Um, in any of these areas, so I have a I have a few hats on. Um, I started my career as uh, in academia, uh, which you know still informs a lot of what I do. Uh, this was heavily focused on economics as well as uh, education. Um, so I have a lot of background in in human capital development um, in the broadest sense. Um, so I still do a lot of work in uh, in education. Um, I'm advising a, a foundation in Saudi Arabia on uh, on youth development, um, uh, including let's say building tech skills. Right. So, for example, during COVID, we had an initiative uh, that was fully online to give basic tech st- skills to about uh, 120,000 young Saudis. And uh, it was very engaging. It was an offering that came, you know, at the right time uh, during COVID and uh, also very empowering because uh, we were able to reach students that, you know, would usually not come to one of the big big cities to participate in some of our programs. So that for me is a, is a very important thing uh, to contribute to youth development. I sit on the board of a university in the United Arab Emirates. Um, but over the last years, I've also gotten involved a lot in, uh, let's say, startup communities of different sorts, 
um, both as a, as an entrepreneur myself, um, as an angel investor, but also just as a mentor to uh, a lot of uh, mostly younger entrepreneurs. And I really, really like to, um, you know, get into these uh, sectors, try to understand what they're about and, uh, you know, give them, give them my perspective, my views from, you know, having, having been in, in the same and in other industries for, for a while. Um, and at the same time, I would have to say, because in the, over the last decade or so, I've, I've done a lot of work, um, you know, as a self-employed person, as a freelancer, um, I've always heavily invested in myself, um, both, uh, you know, at some point in about five years ago, I decided I want to become an executive coach. Um, I've done, so I've done that. Um, it's not my main profession, but it's a very useful tool for the toolbox. I've done a lot of training and development, uh, mentoring as well, but also more technical skills. So this year I've spent a few weeks, um, uh, doing courses, uh, on, you know, how to become a better angel investor or how to become a better, uh, 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 fund manager. So these things I find really, really interesting. And then, you know, in some ways they just come together in a, in a beautiful way um, uh, and, uh, you know, lead to a new project or to a new connection or to uh, a speaking opportunity or an advisory opportunity. So after doing them for three months, six months, one year, they usually find a way to seamlessly integrate into, into what I would con uh, consider as my day job. Yeah, it's just entrepreneurial at, at various different levels, right? So you're constantly exploring new avenues. You know, you built enough credibility and skills so that you could, you know, things started to converge at some point. I understand yeah. that. I mean, I've done simi slightly similar things, uh, but I find that, you know, when I'm building this venture, Lumi, uh, just about everything that I've done in my life, actually as a student onwards, is now becoming relevant Every single learning is coming into play. Every single person I got to know is, is yes. uh, has a role to play in this. And, yeah. and that gives me a lot of joy, right? Why did you end up choosing the Middle East um, as, as a region where you wanted to get more involved? You know, for someone from Germany, that feels unusual. Uh, you know, beautiful randomness and serendipity. <laughs> I, I had yeah. an opportunity as a as a management consultant back then. I was with Boston Consulting Group. Um, they offered a one year exchange program to Dubai, where they had opened a new office. Um, that was right after the uh, financial crisis of two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Uh, you know, doing anything in in the German economy felt a little bit uh, depressive. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I uh, spent a year in Dubai and kind of never left the region again. And I would say I'm, uh, I've been uh, very, uh, you know, lucky to see part of the development of this region, um, living, living in the Emirates, uh, living in Qatar, uh, working a lot in Saudi about for the last six, seven years. Um, and, you know, seeing countries and societies transition very, very quickly um, uh, is very 
interesting, but then also work-wise very fulfilling because what is uh, what is important for the region is that, uh, and shared by basically all the countries, is uh, that they have a young share of uh, young citizens who uh, want to be, uh, want to have opportunities, need to be educated well and trained well to uh, be able to capture these opportunities. And uh, let's say will run the countries um, at a much younger age than uh, we notice from Europe. And in the Middle East, uh, you have a lot of very young leadership who are very relatable and uh, who, uh, who, you know, by and large, put a lot of emphasis on building uh, sustainable futures uh, when it comes to, you know, education and, uh, and, and career paths. So... Um... I'm conscious of the time and, you know, I want to now jump into the future. Now you, you said that building sustainable future. So I look at the rise of artificial intelligence and at the same time, big global problems like uh, climate change, yeah, to name, a, name just one. Um, how do you see the intersection of these two in terms of exposing young people to both of these issues fairly and early? I would come back to to the topic of agency. So, you know, I think for many, many years, um, people used to say, oh, we need more people who can code. And, you, need, you know, we, we need more people who are, you know, on the engineering side of the IT revolution uh, and so on and so on. Um, and it turns out now in the last five years, coming back to no code and things like this. Yes, you need some people who can code really well, but you also need a lot of people who can problem solve really well. And then find a way how to ask good questions and then, you know, plug the right no code modules together to build an, an app or, or, or a software and so on. And I think the same for me applies uh, on the whole topic of, of AI and probably also on the topic of sustainability. So it's not the question of, you know, do I um, understand in detail uh, how a large language model works? Um, I think, you know, on a, on a, on a bunch of basics, um, we should understand what makes it work well, right? So yeah. topics like, you know, garbage in, garbage out, <laughs> it makes a difference of, uh, whether my large language model has read the library of Congress or, you know, uh, two comic books. Uh, or, you know, something that is, uh, that is politically charged, right? Mm. Then I will get very different answers. So I think the, the, the point there is to, you know, be able to ask good questions to understand this, the limitations of, of, of systems like AI. Um, but also obviously to use it to the maximum impact possible. Um, to, you know, accelerate uh, their, their personal development, the development of the organizations they are part of, um, improving, their, improving their lives. And I think that's, for me, that's also the, the, the connection to sustainability. 
um, you know, in, in, in a lot of places, sustainability is looked at as um, something that uh, will lead to heavy regulation and to people being able to do less and people uh, being um, forbidden to do certain things. Um, usually things that are fun, right? Uh, flying, <laughs> flying to far, far away destinations, um, eating your favorite foods and so on. Um, but the point is, uh, you know, how do you think of this in a, in a structured way? How do you create a ag personal agency? How do you create accountability? Um, and how, again, then um, coming back to the community aspect of people around you who make sure that you're, uh, that you're, you know, living up to your potential, that you're really um, able to make the change uh, with the tools that you have and who encourage you to do better. Um, those are, those are opportunities that I think today's youth will have. Um, with all the new technologies that are coming up. That's so great. And and just to kind of um, end our conversation, what is your wildest prediction about how AI might play out for our society? I, I don't think it's particularly wild, but, you know, I think the the, the part that... Uh, that I foresee happening is that the the integration of technology into our lives um, will be so smooth and seamless, um, including at the at the biological and neurological level, um, that uh, it will be um, Im imperceptible that we're still using using AI. Um, so that for me, uh, I think in, in a few years from now, um, you know, I, I won't need this iPhone anymore, right? Um, it will be, it, it will be, it will be connected with me in some way that, you know, probably I can't, I can't, uh, uh, imagine right now, but it will also help me do things much better. It will help me to, um, hopefully enjoy life more, um, to be productive or not productive when I choose to be. And I think it's a, it's an amazing opportunity for, uh, for humans not to be ruled by AI, but to, uh, co-create and to augment uh, the lives they're leading um, in a way that, uh, you know, we probably can't even imagine today. That's so true. And I think, too, you know, I would go back to end to the point you make that it's garbage in, garbage out. So artificial intelligence is feeding off how we treat it, how we work with it. And therefore, if we can develop the skill in young people to ask good questions, to solve either their very simple problems, where you know, mm -hmm. problems in academics, problems in life, or just to have fun. I think that then they're training the models to be their 
companion uh, to to help them move ahead and to help society move ahead but if we don't teach that skill then i think what will happen is that there's a chance that ai took takes over in a way that we probably don't like in the future so it's been a pleasure uh, christiana to talk to you um you know i think this conversation can go into multiple episodes knowing you a little bit um i think i might do that to bring out one specific aspect of that you know whether it's on the innovation side with young people whether it's women's empowerment but thank you so much for at least bringing some of these experiences out sharing your life's journey and why it has been so beneficial to you to step out of your comfort zone and uh, and all the very best thank you thank you so much for having me thanks for listening if you found this conversation valuable please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts if you have a story or someone you know does please recommend them to us by email at hello at lumi.network we'll see you next time on in youth we trust